You're listening to NFT 101, an insider's guide to the world of trading, investing, and developing the nonstop world of non-fungible tokens. I'm Matt Ryan. In our first edition of NFT 101, Nathan Simone and I are joined by veteran crypto and NFT investor Doug Smith on a live Discord AMA. We discuss his journey into the NFT space, some NFT green and red flags, as well as audience questions. Here now is that conversation. Thank you so much for that introduction, Matt. I rarely have people that introduce me like the true king of crypto that I am. I'm just kidding, everyone. I'm a humble man usually, and I'd like to welcome you to this NFT AMA, the NFT 101 with a friend of BitMart, Doug Smith. Now, this is a new thing that we're doing here on Discord. We're really ramping up our Discord profile. We already have AMAs and conversations that we do on Twitter spaces, and we wanted to expand here because not only can we up the audio quality by a lot, we can just do a lot more interesting things, interact with our community here, and um, just, you know, have fun, playful conversations. Like if you've been hanging out here, you saw me, Matt, Doug, all talking with each other. Now, before we begin talking to Doug, who is a pretty experienced NFT investor and has kind of a deep knowledge of a lot of the current NFT market, the different chains, what NFT is. We're going to try and not get too technical today. This is going to be more of a beginner course. If it seems a little bit basic for your tastes, hey, that's all right. You'll just confirm stuff that you already know. But we wanted to let you know that not only since we're playing with this format, we're going to try and let people raise their hands and speak audio questions every, you know, every so often. You can also text questions in the AMA channel for Doug, and we're going to read those along some prepared questions uh, that we that we already have that we want to uh, ask Doug. As I as as Matt already introduced, I'm I'm here with my partner in crime, Matt. Towards the middle end of the conversation, I'll let him jump in and ask some questions. Uh, it does get a little bit tiring, you know, sometimes being the host, the moderator, so I'm glad to have him join me. And we've also got Claire up here. She's not going to speak, but just know that if you raise your hand or if you're texting questions in the AMA channel, she's going to be the one moderating, looking at them. So behave yourself, okay? Everybody behave yourself. Claire's got her finger on the button. And once again, right before we start the conversation, there is an incentive to be here, right? We are giving away $500 worth of USDT, and the way we're parsing that out is we're giving 50 bucks in USDT to 10 people that ask high-quality questions to Doug in our conversation here, okay? So let me repeat, high-quality questions that we will select later. So whether that's audio or text, you're going to want to have a question ready, and uh, that's how you'll qualify to win some of that sweet, sweet USDT. So without further ado, let me introduce our Doug. Let me introduce, I'm sorry, our guest, Doug Smith. Hey, Nate, thanks for having me here. It's it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to speak to this group and this community, the Bitmark community. Um, My partner is obviously also very happy. She's not here, but knowing that for one day, she doesn't have to hear me rant to her about my excitement about NFTs in the crypto space. It's so uh, she says thank you as well. but but I'm uh, I'm glad to be here. So I'll give you a quick backstory and kind of where the progression of of where I came from and how I got to where I am. Uh, I came from the enterprise data space for the last 15 years, and what that means is that I help big companies organize and govern their data more effectively to manage their business overall and to create a competitive advantage. 
I know that probably sounds super exciting to everyone or not. Um, it kind of gave me insight to a lot of data challenges that all companies are facing and they're going to have to address one day or another. So let's put that aside for a minute and I'll just kind of talk about the crypto piece. Um, I became aware of crypto in 2017 um, and it was a result of a board game actually. I don't know if everyone in here will know the board game, but it is uh, Trivial Pursuit, which is probably, I probably would call it the most difficult board game that you could find. And I don't think I've played it since this day that I'm referring to. Um, but there was a question uh, around the two generals problem. Um, and for whatever reason, I wanted to learn more about it because I got the answer wrong. And I'm pretty sure it was the question that made me lose the game. Uh, so I went down a dark, rabbit hole of YouTube videos and ended up on consensus mechanisms and eventually led me to uh, Hedera Hashgraph, uh, better known as HBAR in the crypto world. And I still didn't understand crypto that much, even though the concepts made sense to me with a you know, math background. And then I started looking at use cases and Hedera at the time, um, I think Halo Systems was the name of the company. Uh, they were using the blockchain technology to crowdsource social media um, information in Syria to give early warnings to citizens of airstrikes. And they use AI, but also to um, consensus of, of the communities to basically validate and trustworthy information to then actually trigger alarms. And to me, that was like the eye-opening event for me. Like, wow, this, this is real because the speed of how fast that information had to travel across different networks wouldn't be able to happen the way that data is managed today in centralized systems. So I was immediately hooked and then, then came across you know, your Bitcoins, your Ethereums, and tying back to the, my uh, career is that I started seeing the technologies themselves solve or will solve a lot of the glaring gaps that are gonna be present in the enterprise space. So for me, I'm always forward looking and just kind of connecting those dots uh, got me into crypto, um, you know, head first as much as I could and really just wanted to absorb it as much as um, anywhere I could. Um, so NFTs, uh, NFTs, I was always aware of them, um, but honestly did not buy my first one until probably about this time last year. And for the life of me, I can't even remember actually what made me do it. Um, I'm pretty sure it probably was, I know it was a Lego NFT, not an actual official Lego NFT, um, but it looked like a Lego NFT. And I either saw it on Twitter or something like that. And I'm like, hey, I just want to just take a shot at figuring out how to transact. Like, what does that process look like? And, and then I did that and I, I got my first NFT and kind of that was that the, after that, the story is, uh, <laughs> it's a long story, but that's where it started. So that's, that's kind of just the, my, you know, where I came from. Uh, but I, again, I'm glad to be here. And uh, I'm excited to kind of share the things that I've learned, like how to do things and how not to do things, um, so I can help you on your uh, your journey as you as you jump into the NFT world. Sure, yeah, and I think there's some people here that they might be super into crypto, but they're like just getting into NFTs to the point where, like, even if I say, "Hey, an NFT is a non fungible token," they're like, "Well, yeah, I know that. I looked it up on Google, but after that, I'm lost." <laughs> so. Let's like let's literally make this a beginner thing where we're starting at the beginning. So an NFT stands for non-fungible token. But then Doug, after that, like what would you say an NFT actually is? Because some people say 
NFTs. They're just JPEGs. NFTs are just music. They can be all sorts of things. But aside from the definition of their non-fungible tokens, like what are they to you? Got it. And I, so I like the, I like that, that segue there. And I'm going to go with, I'm going to take that a step further, right? So if you were to say non-fungible, right? It's like in your Google search, it's simplest terms, it's unique and right. And can't be replaced with something else. And I remember when I first was looking that up too, back then, I'm like, well, what's fungible? You know, it's fungible. And it's obviously the opposite, right? It's something that can be interchanged like Bitcoin, dollar. So if Nate, if you and I exchange, Hey, let's trade a Bitcoin for whatever reason, I give you one, you give me one. We both still have one Bitcoin, right? There's nothing unique about that. And that's what makes it fungible. So the non-fungible um, aspect of it, I'm going to, I'll say I can break it into two different buckets, right? From a fundamental standpoint, I look at it as it's a way to verify the authenticity of a non-fungible asset, right? The one that everyone uses, which is probably still the best example is the Mona Lisa, right? So the Mona Lisa um, in itself is unique. And there's only, one, there's only one Mona Lisa. So how NFTs could and will play into the world of, of art, of physical art, is that's like your certificate of authenticity, right? So I look at it as it's a way to register the Mona Lisa on the blockchain that gives that an identity that cannot be replicated um, in any shape or form. So for me, that's how I usually go about the definition. Um, you know, you can use any other example as well, but that's the simplest way to kind of to, to conceptualize the uniqueness of what it is. I think that that makes a lot of sense. So it's almost like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it's almost like a um, serial number plus a certificate of authenticity because a serial number could be applied to any sort of mass-produced goods from an iPhone to a, you know, a thing of bag salad or something like that. But the certificate of authenticity certifies that not only is it identifiable and it has this serial number, but it's kind of one of a kind. It's almost a collectible. It's, it's valuable to whoever gives it value. You hit the nail on the head, and it's funny you say that because when I was younger, I always had thought I was always you know, intrigued by things that maybe not the normal person would be. I always thought UPC numbers were always unique, every single one of them, regardless of if it was the same item or not. Obviously, that's not the case. Um, but yes, you're you're spot on. Yeah, I, I think I probably used to think that as a little kid as well because you can't help it. You look at a barcode, and it's just so strange. It's not even in your world. So. Fun fact, well, um, part, did I, you know, by the way, if the, if the barcode was invented uh, in the sand, that's where the gentleman's idea came from. Go look that up. I did not. Wow. Okay. Well, just in case you guys didn't know, I mean, we're all, we are having an, this discord is a little bit like a party. It's an information party. And Doug just go. put some chips and dips out right there. Okay. <laughs> this edition of NFT 101 is brought to you by Bitmart. With over 900 trading pairs, low fees, and same-day trading, BitMart is your place to dive headfirst into the world of crypto. Sign up now for low fees and same-day trading at BitMart.com. Be smart and trade with BitMart. So, uh, kind of going along with like, so if an NFT is a valuable thing that's on the blockchain that has the serial number, that has the certificate of authenticity, it's like a sort of value phenomena, right? Because not everybody likes art. Not everybody likes music. I mean, I do occasionally meet people that will just say they're not into art, they're not into music. Um, the things that we're kind of attaching with NFTs on the blockchain. If they're, they're sort of one sort of value phenomenon, but they're digitized, how, like, how do you think that they 
compare to other assets like baseball cards or like stocks or like even like real estate? Is there like a comparison there or are they just so totally unique that we shouldn't even talk about that? Great question. So it's funny because I think most think of NFTs as you immediately put it in the bucket of, I've seen, you know, a CryptoPunk. I've seen a Board Ape Yacht Club. I've seen these images of these avatars all over social media. And that's my immediate connection to an NFT, right? Because that's kind of what this early stages of the evolution of, of adoption of NFTs really is. However, if you take a step back, there are so many other categories of NFTs, which aren't the, let's lack of a better term, the sexy versions of, of like pictures, right? Domain names. So domain names, just like today, when you go to, you know, let's say bitmart.com, um, that's in the world today is Web 2. In Web 3.0, that actually would be an NFT, right? There are elements of aspects of ownership of categories that aren't the collectible piece of the equation. Um, I'll give another example, uh, subscriptions. Um, subscriptions today, I have a couple that, NFTs that I use that give me access to a platform. So I'm a, I'm a data nerd. I think I've made that clear already. And uh, there's a couple of analytic tools that I use to help me give guidance towards NFT trends. And to get access to that platform, instead of paying a subscription price like you would normally uh, to like your Netflix of the world, um, I have an NFT. And that badge gives me access to that platform. Um, so uh, digital music you met referenced, uh, virtual real estate. There's so many different categories that are going to start presenting themselves, which I think is going to really perpetuate the real world adoption of the concept of NFTs. However, to go back to answer your question, collectibles today, I would say you could probably compare your Beanie Babies of the world, uh, things of that nature to the NFTs that we see throughout the ecosystems of, of crypto. Um, I, I wanna be, you know, I'm optimistic as a whole, but I, truly, I do believe that you know, the majority of the projects that you see will not be here in a couple of years, if not a year. Right, it's kind of like your '90s bubble, um, your internet bubble, just like crypto and currency in general. A lot of good ideas, a lot of projects, also some ones that aren't good ideas that are just going to just just fall apart and one day not become relevant. Just like say Beanie Babies are, even though although I know uh, my girlfriend still has a couple on the shelf over here, but but you know it's a, it's more of a historic uh, moment that you want to keep there. But really, there is no value. But then you talk about what is value. Right. So the paradigm of what collectibles are and how NFTs play into that, there are definite similarities. Um, it's just that right now there's still so many unknowns, and that's kind of what makes it exciting to me. Well, Doug, uh, BRB, I've got to go down to my basement and chuck all my Beanie Babies that I really conveniently have invested in. Um, that's, that's kind of unfortunate to hear. No, I'm kidding, everybody. So, so I think for the purposes of this conversation, Doug, you, do, you did a great job of saying like how broad NFTs can be because they can be a unique identifier for all sorts of things that are just purely in the digital world and can also be linked to the physical world. And I think for the purposes of this conversation, we're mostly going to be talking about the mainstream um, view of NFTs, which is as digital art that you'd see on OpenSea or something like that. And I think that that's probably what most people in this Discord, uh, if they are familiar with NFTs at all, that's what they think of when they think of, of NFTs. So we're so glad to know that they're so broad. And probably in later conversations, um, we'd love to expand upon that. But I, I think for this, we're going to be talking about um, what you've just kind of uh, alluded to, which is 
the NFT projects that are mostly artistic based, visual um, that you'd see traded around, usually on the Ethereum network, but on, on, on other networks. And that actually perfectly segues into our next question of like, so most people's perception of NFTs, once they know about them, right? They know they're a non-fungible token. They see that they're usually on the Ethereum network. You can buy and sell them on marketplaces like OpenSea or Rarible. They see prominent examples in the news like of the Bored Ape Yacht Club, where it's like celebrities are trading these for millions of dollars. And somebody might look at their TV or computer screen and be like, millions of dollars? But it's just like a digital photo or a digital piece of art or any number of, um, you know, like a 3D animation. And that really lends the question to, if you, if, if you can even, what really like makes an NFT valuable in your opinion? So the simplest answer to that question is the price that someone else is willing to pay for it. And today that could change instantaneously. Right. Now that's not the best answer, but from a from a purely collectible of the NFTs like we were we're talking about, that's kind of how I look at it. But but really behind the curtains of that aspect, like what what drives someone to say, hey, I want to buy something for this price? Also, like what makes the Mona Lisa, going back to that example, have value? Right, that one for the Mona Lisa is its historic relevance. Right, the artist Leonardo and its inherent uh, the appeal of the Mona Lisa. But with the crypto side of it or the NFT side of it, um, like a board eight top club. That itself has kind of grown so much into more of a brand, right? Like with this partnership with Adidas and other things that are coming out of that project, there is a there is a legit team behind there. They have a roadmap. They have uh, they have you know bigger visions for what this could be and integrations of those NFTs into different applications and projects over time. To me, that is a good semblance of what value is. Is that the what's behind the curtains, right? What do you see behind the actual avatar that's there? Because without that backing, it really just is a JPEG in reality. And I think that's something from just a pure investment standpoint is where I really look for is that what is behind the curtains? Like look past the art, regardless if it's the greatest thing you've ever seen or it's maybe it's just, it's just a rock, right? You have the theater rock, right? What is, what's behind the curtains there that kind of gives you guidance to give you, is this something that, that I perceive or someone else may perceive as valuable in the future? And so I know we'll probably touch on these other topics um, down, the, down the road here, but there's certain checkpoints of things you want to look at for a project itself. But to me, it's, it's all of those things and also to the unknown, right? What is it possible for this, for this collection or this individual piece of artwork to yield over time outside of the investment part of it, right? Because the investment value will come if the actual inherent value of what's being offered or what's possible with that project to to overcome in in the future. So it's it's primarily subjective, is what you're talking about. Is really it's kind of willing whatever people want to pay for it is is what's is what makes it valuable. But there has to be some objective part of it, where you know somebody likes the way it looks and it will look pretty on a digital display or a wall or something like that. But I, I have to believe that that is a a minimal portion of its value. So ag agreed. And I think that's uh, one point I just want to make before I, uh, I forget because I wanted to mention it today at some point is that with NFT buying, like I always think about it, it's like looking at it to buying it for art, like pure art is one thing. And I believe you could never go wrong doing that. If you like something you see, just like you would buy normal art, 
and it, it makes sense within your budget, buy it, right? That's, that's you personally, this is how you look at art and how my point of view is towards that same item may be very different and that's absolutely okay. But really it's based on what, how you perceive it. So if you're looking for a pure art standpoint, buying something that you visually like to see and something you'd want to stare at, regardless of the value of that from how the market looks at it is not a bad decision from my point of view. Seems simple. It seems simple enough. Uh, you know, if you if you like looking at something and you like a piece of art, then then why not own it? So I, I think Doug, actually, we're going to take a break in the conversation here and try out letting somebody else come to the stage and ask a question. And it looks like Claire, you've uh, allowed Crypto zero zero one one. We're going to try and let him or her come to the stage and ask Doug a question. So Doug, we've, we've talked about what makes NFTs valuable, how it's mostly a subjective price, but there is some objective measure there about how people want to look at art. And a lot of it's cool. And there's a lot of user-generated art. And, um, and there's just a lot of cool communities that have sprung up around NFTs and you know just creator-focused artistic communities. But it can't be denied that probably a large sum, maybe the majority, 51% or more, are buying NFTs as a sort of investment. Maybe it's a hedge against inflation. Maybe it's just like they're 10 years younger than me and they've never even invested in the stock market or they're, they just started investing in Bitcoin and they see that NFTs are like a natural investment. Are, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll put this question in kind of two parts. Um, are NFTs uh, a good thing to invest in right now? I know that's going to be a subjective answer. And let's just, are there different types of NFT investment strategies one should maybe pursue or look out for? So to answer your first question, is are NFTs a good investment right now? I would put that, that answer in the same bucket as, is a cryptocurrency a good investment right now? Um, considering your overall market thesis of your geopolitical risk, right? All of a sudden, you know, inflation, there's a lot of other variables that are there. And although some of us would want to say that, hey, crypto and Bitcoin is an inflation hedge and one day maybe become disconnected from traditional markets, they are very much risk on and they are correlated. So right now, I would be somewhat apprehensive in general to jumping into investments. Um, obviously, if you have uh, proper risk mitigation, you're saying, hey, I'm willing to lose $1 if I have $100 in my savings account, right? Just giving just a perspective that you're, you're sizing properly for how much you want to invest. You know, it's, it's, it's to get the experience for what it is. It can't, it can't hurt, but have to go in willing knowing that there's a chance that it could go to zero very quickly. That's, that's the reality. Um, uh, to answer your second question on different types of NFT investment strategies, uh, I'm going to make the comparison to, to your traditional markets um, prior to NFTs, even last summer. I got very involved in technical analysis. Um, for those of you who don't know, that is really studying charts and trends and patterns of markets, regardless of crypto. It could be it could be um, your equities, it could be commodities. They all follow the same patterns. And types of trading uh, it can be broken into three buckets: your scalp trades, which I would call the less than one day trade; your swing trades, where you want to hold it for a shorter period of duration. Let's call it a week to a couple months. 
and then an actual investment, which is a long-term hold. I confidently can say the NFT market over the last six months has presented the opportunity to utilize each one of those trading strategies. Um, obviously, some are more risky than others, like a scalp trade where, you know, hey, I'm looking to uh, buy an NFT when it's brand new, just off the market, hot off the press. Everyone wants them. I want to buy it. And I'm going to sell it immediately after to kind of maybe flip, flip it and make back and double my money. Um, or there's a swing trade where it's that, hey, there are some undervalued projects, ones that I like that I've been watching. They've been out for a while and no one else appreciates them, but I, I trust that they're going to do something and they're cheap right now. Maybe I'll buy one of those and I'm going to hold it for a couple months and see what happens. That's what I consider a swing trade. And then an actual investment. Um, these are probably more rare. Uh, it's either you've gotten into a, a project like a board Ape Yacht Club, right? You got lucky and got in early and you'd want to hold that forever. Or you're, you're seeing things that maybe other folks aren't. Where again, for me, I'll go back to the data plays that I've seen a bunch of projects that are very, very data focused. Um, and data isn't something that's really attractive from an investment standpoint yet. So for me, those types of projects I would look for and I would, I would buy one. And I would not look at the price for years till down the road and just, just let it sit and let it ride. And to me, that's an investment in that project. And I will ride that to zero or whatever upside that's there. So you can definitely deploy different types of trading strategies. But the, you know, I would say it can be very closely tied to your traditional methods of investing. Fascinating. Fascinating. So there's really a bunch of different ways you could go about this. And it's actually really fortunate. We had a text AMA question come in that segues into what you just talked about really, really naturally. Somebody wants to know, how can you tell how valuable an NFT might be before you buy it? I mean, if an NFT loses all of its value, what are some factors that you think makes it lose all its value or that it just never, you know, rides that wave, as you say, to like become it valuable or become an investment? What are some of the factors that kind of go into determining the value of an NFT? And then what are some maybe common things that you see where NFTs are, are not going to be successful? Great question. So I'll, I'll kind of spin this towards how I look at investing in new projects, regardless of the type of, of investment strategy I just went over. If I'm looking to trade it quickly or long-term, just a couple boxes you can check up front they give a little more you know, uh, confidence that you're not gonna end up in a project that ends up just disappearing and falling on its face you know, days after, after it launches. And a couple of those things are you know, looking at the team, right? So when a project kind of puts out, hey, we're minting soon. Um, and for those who know about minting, that's the first time you can buy the NFT for a given project. Um, when they're putting themselves out there, are they doxed? Docs is a term that is, is, do they exist in a real world setting of, let's say, LinkedIn? Do they have profiles, social profiles that exist across different social media platforms? Were they just created or have they been there for a while? Right. So like if you go to my Twitter, I think I joined Twitter in 2015. Right. So now I've been there and I thought that's the absolute, you know, litmus test of, hey, that I'm a real person or not. But just going through and kind of doing your due diligence and research on a project, I always start with the team. Because if the team is present, they're there, um, that's, that's, that's box number one checked. Okay, number two, with the Discord. So let's talk about Discord. 
A lot of projects, I believe, every project should have a Discord server. Telegram is also important, but Discord's more important. If you go into Discord, just a quick glance at all the channels, right? Does it look like this was set up today? Right? If I look at the Bitmark Discord that's here, I could tell it's very nice. There's lots of emojis. It's, it's clearly organized. There's information for each channel, what the purpose is, right? If I look on the right, I can see that all of the you know, moderators and the key folks on the team are here and they're active. Those are all very, very good signs. I can't tell you the early days in NFTs, like probably, let's call it for me, uh, end of last summer, where you go into a Discord and there was no emojis. Not that I, I can't believe I'm using emojis as a, as a, as a gauge of, of, of seriousness or not, but it takes time going through and doing those things, right? Um, but, but having that just seems like they're a legit shop and the engagement of the developers and the project um, um, owners is also critical. I think that's probably the most important part of the Discord piece is that if you go in, I like asking questions. I like prompting questions directly to the team. And if, they're, if they put you off or they block you or they mute you or they don't want to answer questions, then I would be somewhat skeptical. Now, it doesn't mean you have to sit there and get frustrated or mad. It just means that, hey, look for another project because it just, just doesn't kind of fit that, that kind of mold. So those are just a couple examples for me um, that's there. And also, too, using your peers. The more folks you can, you can create connections with in smaller pockets of discords, even just like this one here. Like I see there's an NFT discussion channel. It's a good place to start to kind of just talking about projects and seeing what you what what's good, what looks good, what doesn't. Because having other people kind of give you their opinion, you want to find the ones who have a different bias from you. Because it's always common to think about, hey, I'm bullish right now on crypto in general. It's very easy for me to go out and have that bias confirmation of, hey, it's, that person thinks it's bullish too. Well, I actually go out trying to find the person that's looking for the opposite, trying to find that devil's advocate that's saying, no, you're wrong, because that actually helps you really kind of condition yourself to go through that, that testing piece of, well, maybe you should listen to that person or at least look into this topic further, because the more of that due diligence you do, the more the least amount of risk that you're, you're possibly going to put yourself in by making an investment. So I know that was a really long answer to your question, but really in the end, it's due diligence. It's do your own research. I know everyone hears that, but it really is a thing that take your time going through that. Don't believe someone that's just shilling a project saying, hey, go to this. It's the next board at Yacht Club. Assume that everyone is trying to scam you and there's something behind that they are not seeing because nothing is, is too good to be true, especially in crypto. Yeah, and that's, that's really, really good to know because that kind of goes over some of the red flags that maybe we'll continue to address later on the conversation. But um don't ever apologize for going on too long, Doug. We, we want to hear all of your knowledge and all of your info because you actually have experience doing it. So first of all, thank you for telling us that we have a clean uh, Discord here. We try and keep it clean and organized here at Bitmart. And of course, Father Elijah is our moderator here, and he does a great job at that. So, you know, all thanks really goes to him. Second of all, um, it, I really appreciated your comprehensive overview of like what to look out for that is kind of unique to NFTs. I guess you could broadly apply it to crypto, but I think that you're just so right in that the NFT market, because it has been so, for lack of a better word, kind of manic and like very, um, very affected by large digital crowds that sometimes you can get into these discords or get in these digital spaces and you're just like swept up in this mania. So to keep a level head, to do your own research and to follow the things that you've laid out, I think is, is very worthwhile advice. I'm going to, segue here into one 
uh, one more user-submitted AMA question. And then we're going to try and open up the audio again for everybody that's raising their hands. We're going to try and get this right. Keep in mind, it's our first Discord AMA. We're still figuring things out. We apologize. Um, and, then and then after I ask this question, I'm going to let Matt take over asking a couple of questions because he is new to NFTs, just like a lot of people in this audience. And he has a unique perspective, I think, on some of the questions that we can ask. So I've got here... Somebody wants to know, although there are music NFTs or audio NFTs, they don't seem to have succeeded as much as image and GIF-based NFTs. I'm really curious about this. What are your thoughts on this? Why have they not succeeded as well? And do you see a potential for music or sound NFTs in the future? Great question. So it's interesting you bring this up because it was probably about, maybe it was December or January, I started kind of feeling that and that music NFTs were going to be the next thing, right? Because I'm always trying to look ahead, doing some more market broad research to try to get a feel for those trends, right? Because that's where you want to be. You want to be looking where everyone else isn't. Um, but with music NFTs, I've kind of I've learned over time that I do believe they're going to become a reality at some point. It's just that right now, the existing systems, let's call them or infrastructure that's in place with inside the music industry is so embedded with such long contracts that, that are really with these large music labels are need to sunset before bigger artists have the opportunity to say, hey, I can go do this through a different vehicle. So um, what I think will start happening first is before you get your, your, your big players of the artists that you see today, like on Billboard, having their, their NFTs being, or music um, being NFTs is more like the, the micro part of it. And I'll say like video games. So uh, I actually met someone uh, a while back uh, that was making video game sounds and just creating all different types of, of different clips for different purposes of a game. And that's what he did. And he, he loved it. And actually they're now becoming little NFTs. And his goal is to have them incorporated into video games that that developers are now building on you know a blockchain like ethereum and at one point maybe he would get some revenue sharing if that game took off um so different components of how you think about music or audio will kind of come together um i also believe and i can say i've i've uh, fallen in the TikTok hole that uh there are some of these videos that you'll start seeing the progression of someone starting with one instrument and then someone else building on top of it and all of a sudden now you have uh, you have eight different instruments and they're playing different uh, different versions of their own uh, melody or, or or concept of that melody and it becomes like a symphony, right? Um, so that those building blocks of 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 musical clips in the world of NFTs can actually be monetized at some point, and those artists, those creators, will have the opportunity to benefit in that. Where today, if that happened, and let's say someone loved the sound and it went viral and Someone else could monetize it, and there's no way to give that owner or have that have that owner take back what's really theirs because they're the ones who created it initially. So um, music still has a long way to go. I'm very intrigued with it. Uh, Audius is a, a great platform that has uh, that's probably the closest towards getting to that point where it is more crowdsourced. You know, newer artists, there's a lot of good content on there. I would highly recommend checking them out. Um, but they're probably going to be the Spotify, let's call it, of Web three. Staying close to some of those types of projects and, the, and the, the, the partnerships that they're making and the announcements that they have would probably give you the best guidance to where the music industry is going as it relates to NFTs. 
Gosh, that's so cool to think about. It reminds me of, I don't know if you played this game as a child, maybe some people can relate to this in the audience, where somebody would have a piece of paper and they'd want you to draw a line or a shape or a cartoon and you just keep passing it around. And you know, by the 10th person or so, kind of like a game of telephone, just like you're alluding to here with this decentralized symphony, you have this crazy wild drawing and of course, that was back in the physical space when there was no Bitcoin, there was no crypto, whatever. And even the fact that there's a digitized version of this now, you're alluding to the TikTok where everybody just adds up an instrument. It's kind of a uniquely human collaborative thing. And it's just so creative and fun. And I guess the only word that I have for it is like whimsical because it's just so far removed from, from um, the kind of the mundane working reality that uh, so many adults, you know, are, are in. So it's, it's, it's a really cool and interesting use case um, that you're saying could potentially become NFTs. That would be like definitely truly unique because it's just so many unique people working on one thing. It's super cool. It's super cool to think about. So there um, is a project actually, it's just real quick, sorry, I forgot. As there's a project on Solana, which is a, a, a blockchain like Ethereum, that is called a uh, pixel bands. And they've already done that where they've had different NFTs for different instruments. And certain artists, if you played the, the keyboard or the drums, you would create your own track. And I think they're starting to deploy different variations of how you can bring them together to make a new NFT. Um, but it's pretty cool. But again, it's one of those things that's kind of underappreciated, right? It's like, it's the same thing with like the data concept I was saying. It's just, it's kind of new, it's kind of there where it's not the board API club, um, but you know, whoever asked that question, it's a great question and your your mind's in the right place because you're thinking the next, something different than what's mainstream. And that's really where, I, from an investment standpoint, I believe you could be most successful. Very cool, very cool. We're going to try and get some audio questions in here again. We're gonna try it again. Everybody bear with us. We're still We're still learning how to make this the absolute highest quality possible. And I wanna remind everyone, that we want high quality questions because when you ask a high quality question, you're going to be one of those 10 people that could potentially win $50 in USDT. Sounds pretty cool, right? Just ask a question, you get the info. You're talking to this cool dude, Doug Smith, who's a friend of Bitmart, who has all this experience in NFTs and you could potentially get rewarded for it. So Claire, please, let's uh, get somebody up here on the stage and try. Magni, welcome. Hey, what is the first thing you like a crypto law investor think when NFT is mentioned to them? I'm sorry, Magni, we can't hear you that well. Could you try okay, one more time? I, I take it again. I think Magni's internet might have cut out there. I think I've got his question right here, Nathan. What is the first thing you would like, Doug, only crypto investors to think of when NFT is mentioned to them? So, Claire, can you repeat the question? It, this is Matt, but thank you for thinking I'm Claire. Yeah. <laughs> now I feel very pretty. Uh, what is the first thing you would like only crypto investors to think of when NFTs are mentioned to them? Can you define only crypto investors, meaning that that is you've, you're a seasoned investor in crypto and you have crypto and now you're thinking about NFTs? Is that how you would define only crypto? I would assume it's people who only invest in the crypto space and have not made their way over to NFTs yet. Um, I would ask the question, why would you get in crypto to begin with? Right. Because it's like it's 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 a very speculative asset class. Right. It's something new. There's 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 obviously lots of pros and cons with it. There's a lot of risk, but there's also a lot of opportunity. 
I would approach NFTs that exact same mindset and kind of ask yourself those questions on even, you know, in retrospect, what were, has crypto treated me well, right? Have I done, have I done well in crypto? If I haven't, I would not then look at NFTs because NFTs are much more unpredictable than crypto, even though crypto is unpredictable in itself. Um, I would be cautious of going that route. However, if you have been successful with crypto, I would just apply kind of some of those similar methodologies on how you were to go into NFTs, right? If that you start with a small amount of risk and kind of just kind of feel your way out. But in the end, uh, I think education and giving yourself more of those tools, if it's data or just listening to you know, conversations like this or joining Twitter spaces or doing research is the best way you can position yourself for success um, because nothing's going to happen um, uh, without that, that work, right? It's, it's not sure in the very, very, very rare case, which unfortunately you see on TV all the time as the person who made you know, so much money off Shiba coin or what, or Dogecoin, whatever, right? That, that's really not good because it's such a rare phenomenon, just like the lottery, that you shouldn't actually be focused on that because that's not reality. Reality is the education you're giving yourself, the time you're taking, the due diligence to learn about what something is before investing in it, especially, you know, if you don't want to take that risk. Awesome answer to one of the great questions we have here. You know, I'll step in for a second. When you're talking to somebody who is, you know, a late adopter to NFTs and crypto, and you're trying to break down your passion for it, what are the things you see from crypto and NFT hesitant people that you really want to dispel or you really think there needs to be more education on from, from that perspective? So is your question as it relates to NFTs or kind of Web3 and this the whole blockchain movement in general or both? Well, let's, let's take a focus narrowly on NFTs. We've talked about some of the different applications, talking about music, talking about art. How would you try to assuage or try to basically say, hey, this is the future? Like everybody on here now understands that this is where technology and society are looking to go but how do you explain to people who are your traditional institutional investors, people who might be hesitant to things that are not tangible? You know, we, we talk about owning art. We Earlier, you were talking about owning Beanie Babies, baseball cards. These are things that are tangible, that are in your hand. Do you say just look at them the same way you would look at gold or look at silver or look at different asset classes that you invest in to try to – I think it's more about changing the mindset of how we view NFTs – as a piece of property because they're non-fungible, but they're also non-tangible. They are things that exist in the cloud on these different blockchains. Got it. It's a great question. And I, I think my answer would be depending on the person who's asking, right? Um, and where, where they're coming from. But I usually do commonly kind of pivot towards the example of, of giving a real-world example of how NFTs can play in that space to first validate um, or uh, to confirm what it means by the non-fungible aspect. And I'll just do one quickly is, um, I'm sure some folks in the audience here uh, own a home, right? So owning a home has a physical piece of paper for most part, at least in the US, that's a deed, right? That says, hey, you own this house, and which I'm sure hopefully is in a safety deposit somewhere or somewhere safe. But if that was ever lost, what's the proof of ownership that you have to that house? 
where where does that reside there's there's no backup records of that anywhere and then someone could say well no that's my house and so that in itself to begin with is kind of just saying that okay nfts are a way of of protecting the proof of ownership of said asset but also too over time and this is uh as i'm segueing into your answer here matt is um the the peer-to-peer value exchange right so i like using the example of the web one web two web three uh, web one, you know, your early adoption of the the web, the internet was built just to be built, right, by a bunch of volunteers that had good intentions, and yes, it became a great thing. Also, became some negatives, but at that time, it was purely read only, right? I could really, I can go into a chat room, I can go on AOL.com, Lycos, early ones, right? You can see that, uh, and then also Web 2.0. Now it's read and write, which is kind of where we are today, right? Where I can enter information into the interweb, and I can also take it back. Now Web 3.0. I'm going to be able to transfer value to you right, through the internet. So Matt, here's the house example. If you wanted to sell me your house one day, well, we could do that peer-to-peer. I could transfer you that uh, cryptocurrency through a smart contract, and you could transfer me back the NFT that is the deed of that house. And now we've kind of created that transaction without the need of brokerage fees, uh, mortgage fees, filing fees, all these other, other elements that from the institutional standpoint, we can kind of make this transaction much more efficient and effective. So I know the answer to your question that I just gave you is much more not on the collectible side of the equation, but usually when I'm talking to, to folks, I can't just start with the collectible side because they'll immediately just say, this is stupid. That doesn't make any sense. I, I, you're not going to sell me. And again, I'm not there to sell. I'm really just trying to educate because I do truly believe that this is, this is the future. Right, so I kind of have to segue with or start with a physical example to then lead towards more of the the PFP side of it, the collectible side of it. That is, you know, it is more speculative, right? And, and I think it's 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 going to have some struggles. And I think right now the 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 aspect that most people cling on is that it kind of gives you a digital identity, right? Um, I had a a PFP that I recently changed that I actually uh, sold, and I'm really upset about it but um it was it was basically me like had a digital identity that's how i i recognize myself and right now it's really just in twitter right you go through twitter and your discord you see people's profile pictures that are that are just you know represent themselves i really believe the next big wave of nfts is going to be when your facebook's of the world and and seeing some things on linkedin right where you're starting to have more people represent themselves in some digital format of whatever that character may be or that digital piece. And, and it is somewhat kind of fun there, right? So it's not, it is, it's just, it's, it's even outside of the, the, the value of it or not, it's a new way to represent yourself and to give yourself a digital identity in the digital world. Um, so long answer to your question, Matt, but I think it's just important of just the, the steps that it's, it would take for someone to understand what an NFT is, make a connection in their head, and then kind of swapping it in with the example of, well, this is why the collectible piece is kind of important and how it's going to make sense in, in the future world. First of all, how dare you try to explain something that's very, very, <laughs> very succinct with a succinct answer? That's that's not what we want here. No, no, no. We want sound bites, babe. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This, this is an awesome explanation. We're going to head to our next caller, our next chatter in a second. We've got the room open right now. So if you want to step onto the stage and ask a question of Doug Smith, this is NFT 101 brought to you by BitMart. When you're talking about PFP and Capital, we're going to get to you one second. You just, you had me reminded of Web1, of Kazaa, of LimeWire, of 
of Napster, of that sense of community. And I see that a lot in the NFT and blockchain communities. I think that's the huge part of why this is going to be successful and why it's so successful now is that it, it predates the, 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 the world of crypto. It's community-based, and that's re- sharing information, sharing ideas, sharing content. It all kind of can be traced all the way back to that dorm room and traced back to Napster. This edition of NFT 101 is brought to you by BitMart. With over 900 trading pairs, low fees, and same-day trading, BitMart is your place to dive headfirst into the world of crypto. Sign up now for low fees and same-day trading at bitmark.com. Be smart and trade with Bitmark. Dog translation, but Capel, you're on the line with us. What's your question for Doug Smith? Hello, am I audible? You're on the air, my friend. How are you? Uh, just a second, my dog is barking. No, it's all right. We, yeah. we, we love dogs here at Bitmark. My dog's meandering <laughs> around the studio somewhere, so you've got a friend. So, uh, yeah. what's your what's your question for Doug? Uh, my question is about the security and the future of NFT. Uh, recently, we have witnessed, uh, you know, a biggest tech at uh, OpenSea nearly, I guess, $1.7 million. And uh, the, result, the result was the drop of NFT sales and the people are losing interest in this. I have, uh, I'm holding currently a good project's NFT, but... Uh, I see uh, people are losing interest in NFT due to the security issues and the exposures, uh, artist exposures issues. So, so how do you see the future of NFT in regarding this? Great question. Um, so a couple things. So as it relates to just the security piece alone, I think that's what you know us I'll call pioneers here, right? That if you're on this call, you're early, right? We're 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 gonna make it in the end. Um, but Anything new, any new technology is going to go through its issues, right? So a lot of these things that are happening, although they're unfortunate, are inevitable and they need to be flushed out. Developers need to understand what's going to happen because you can't have real world adoption and now there's billions of people here and something like that's happening all the time because the entire thing would collapse, right? Now, don't get me wrong, just any one person getting scammed is, is horrible enough, but those things are just inevitable early on. So with that said it's proper um, security management with NFTs, right? I always recommend, um, regardless of blockchain, let's just use Ethereum and use OpenSea, which is a good example. Um, Assuming you probably have MetaMask, right? I always use the three wallet approach, right? So you have three different wallets, all for different purposes. Your burner wallet, which is the wallet that you're going to connect to uh, OpenSea or connect to a minting website that you're going to buy your... Buy your NFT on, right? In that wallet, there is nothing else besides the amount of actual crypto that you need for that transaction, and that's it, right? Then you have, let's so say you, you bought that NFT. We're good? Okay. You want to move it, and depending on what you want to do with that, if it's a short-term hold or a long-term hold, let's assume it's short-term, that you're probably going to want to sell it in the coming weeks. It wasn't something that was super expensive. It's, you know, it possibly could go to zero. All right, let's just at least put it somewhere. I'd move that to... Um, maybe a short storage wallet where this wallet isn't actually connected to any of your uh, exchanges or any of those other marketplaces or, um, excuse me, minting sites. And it kind of is just sitting there with your crypto, 
right? It's kind of, it's just it's just in your temporary holding area. Um, I wouldn't have a lot of crypto in there or a lot of NFTs. It's just kind of like your your middle landing ground. The most important takeaway from this conversation is wallet three, which is your cold storage, which is your cold wallet. I recommend every single person, if you're in crypto, you have, probably haven't heard this already, to absolutely get yourself a ledger, uh, Tezzer or um, Trezor wallet. Uh, there's probably a bunch else out there. I personally like the ledger. Um, Nano X is the one that I have. And move all of your secure NFTs or your, your valuable NFTs, actually all of them, to a wallet that's connected to that um, uh, the ledger and cold storage. And that wallet does never, ever connects to a marketplace or connects to any website. It's purely storage only. And when you transfer it out, it's going to go through those hops. It's going to go from your cold storage wallet to that middle wallet, and then from that middle wallet to your hot wallet. So there's never a chance that anyone's touching that cold storage has any chance of that fraud. So um, really just want to move your, your, your key assets away from those, those areas where there's possible uh, manipulation and those types of hacks happen because you've basically now protected yourself from any chance of, of that being taken from you just by the nature of what, how the blockchains are set up in smart, in smart contracts. I don't know if that was the answer to your question, but cold storage, 100% is the answer. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. <laughs> Even I was, I was using a single wallet, but I took a note of your answer. Thank you. And the best part is too, it, hey, that's, it's, it's, it's free, right? To create a new wallet, it's it's free. It just create another one and kind of separate that now. Um, but but the cold storage, it's worth. I think to some, it may cost you you know from sixty to one hundred and twenty US dollars. But honestly, it is the absolute best investment you can make. And I can tell you, the day that I did yeah, move sure. my NFTs into that, it was like such a good feeling that I'm like, I feel like I'm protected now, right? And then it's just it's just a sense of security that you don't have to worry about. So when you do see that that hack come across Twitter or the news that pops off on your feed that you don't have that sense of fear that did it affect me. I think, I think so, that's right? really very helpful. Yes. Oh, yes. That's why we have Doug here. Doug is the master of NFTs right here. I've got, I'm going to have to second what you said about cold storage, Doug. And thank you, Kapil, for answer for answer, um, asking your question here. We really appreciate you. Uh, we can, you, we can move you to the audience now. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to second your approach to cold storage there. And uh, it's funny that it's called cold storage because there's no refrigeration and no freezing required, even though you may have seen a meme that the best cold storage is keeping your private keys on a USB and then freezing them in a block of ice so that not even you can access them. I have no, not seen just, that. Honest, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. They said long-term Bitcoin storage. I freeze it yeah. on a USB and put it in a block of ice. Doug is absolutely right about that. Please heed what he is saying there with the three wallet approach if you're trying to do short-term trades, long-term trades, or invest. So it looks like we're coming along here with the audio questions, with the questions in the AMA. And it looks like the process that we've kind of landed on is that if you've asked some text questions in the text AMA, you're going to have a higher likelihood of being called on for the audio questions because we know that you're serious and we're able to moderate that and bring you up here. We're having a lot of success so far. We want to bring up another one right now and so please keep them coming doug is happy to be here and ask and answer your questions welcome Hello. Hi. Hello. yes yes we can hear you you can ask doug a question now yes uh, i'm going through my question 
quite a moment <laughs> nft and gmv project are trending in the crypto space so what are the various forms of nft 101 plates used for where can we buy it what is the use case like and what is the utility can users trade nft through the built-in marketplace and can it be used outside of games if i understood your correct uh i'll repeat the question back to you are you asking of what are the different okay, types okay. I, of I, NFTs? I'm, I'm repeating. Okay. NFT and GMP project are trending in the crypto space. So what are the various form of NFT 101 plates used for? Where can we buy it? What is the use case like and what is the utility? Can users trade NFT through the built-in marketplace and can it be used outside of games? Got it. And so you're, you're, you're asking specifically about uh, NFTs and gaming and interoperability between games and transacting. Is that accurate? Yes, yes, yes. Got it. Um, so I'll be upfront and honest. I'm not, I, although I wish I had the time, I would be very, very sucked into the gaming world, right? Um, and, but however, um, so I do know a little bit about it. Um, I would say for like Sandbox or Decentraland, Right, I'll use Sandbox uh, as an example. Today, you can buy NFTs inside of their marketplace. So Sandbox itself, and I believe all of them are also available on OpenSea, which is an Ethereum um, uh, marketplace. Uh, because they have to be built a certain way, um, I believe the program is called... Actually, I don't remember the program name. Um, but... Uh, there's a long way to go with gaming NFTs. And I don't want to give you misinformation here, but it's very early. And I personally believe just my thought on gaming NFTs in the metaverse, I don't think many people are going to like my response, but I, gaming's, gaming NFTs and the metaverse have a long way to go because the big players, you know, your Ubisofts, your, you know, uh, they're, they're so far ahead. And, this, and the Nintendo's of the world, the second that they create an NFT or they create something on their platform that is somewhat interoperable, anything else that's, that's partially there inside the decentral world of NFTs is probably going to become invaluable pretty quickly. So I think although um, there's a lot of opportunity there, there also is a lot of risk. Um, I don't know if that's a good answer to your question, but it, it's, um, uh, that's all I got. <laughs> Thanks for your answer, but I am a bit nervous because I am uh, first time in the mics. On the mic, oh, no, I, uh, I absolutely appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming up. Thanks, uh, and have a good day. You too. Absolutely. He was one of the brave ones. Don't be shy to come up here and talk to Doug. Doug's a sweetheart at the end of the day. And although he might uh, not know that much about gaming NFTs, it's just it's just because he has a good reason, right? We heard him. He'd get sucked into it. Then he wouldn't be on this AMA. His girlfriend might leave him. It would just, it's better, okay, if he knows about the different types other than the gaming NFTs. But that doesn't mean he can't speculate on it from his vast knowledge that he does know. So we're going to take two more audience questions, and I'm going to let Matt bring up those people. And then we're going to end um, with a question by me to Doug before we let him talk about some projects that he has coming out related to NFTs, if he wants to speak on them or some generalities that he does. So Matt, please bring up two more audio speakers or read two more text questions, and then we'll end with the final question here. I think we've had a pretty good run here so far. Yeah, no, this has been a great time. Thank you to everybody in the chat. Thank you, Doug, for putting up with us uh, and dropping all of that sweet, sweet, sweet knowledge. Uh, taking a look here 
in the chat, and please keep your questions coming even after this. We want you guys to be an active community here on Discord. Our question right now, we've got someone coming in here in the chat. We'll have someone drop in in a second. Someone asking, what are your NFT green flags, Doug? That coming in from Sinshi Chikun. Oh, green flags. Huh, that's that's a great question. Um, So I... I personally like projects that are contributing to the progression of the ecosystem. Um, I'll give an example for that. So I've mentioned a couple of times now, like I'm a data person. I appreciate anyone trying to create analytics platforms or ways to give users insights on trends, on information that's that's coming with a given project. So anything that's that has some sense of utility where it's not a hey, here's a roadmap of the things that we say we're going to do, and they immediately have something that's tangible, that's a, that's a green flag for me. Um, I also like projects who are helping uh, around security. Um, there's a project on Solana. It's called Rad Rugs, and they, the, their NFTs are rugs, but what their purpose is is they're basically doing vetting as much as they can of other projects for their legitimacy. And on their site, throughout the projects that are coming, you can see, you can hover on it, it says, hey, this has a score of, you know, let's call it A, B, C, D, F, of, of, the, of what they're providing to the ecosystems of, or is the team docs, as I mentioned before, right? Is the team, do they have, they have social credentials? Um, is it something that's new? Is, it, is there minimal risk, right? So any project that's, that's really helping grow this Web3 thing, to me is a green flag in my book versus one who is just saying, hey, go stake your NFTs. You're going to get this, this yield and it's going to be, it's going to be great. Right? So uh, I'm exaggerating for effect there, but projects who are building. Builders are the green flag for me. Astounding. And let's go to, this, let's go to the requests really quick. We're going to try you one more time. Crypto0011, I want you to let us know what you're thinking. Are you there, friend? Going once. Hey, we gotcha. Crypto double zero one one. You with your fancy duck that uh, Doug is jealous Dave of. Duck. What, what Dave Duck? Uh, what do you got for Dave. us, our quacky friend? How do you sense NFT from others' marketplace, sir? What was your question? You sense NFT from others' marketplace. Did anyone, I, I, if you can unmute first and then speak, I missed the first part of your question. Sir, I, I asked you, how do you difference NFT from other marketplaces? So I think actually I, I got in a chat with uh, Crypto0011. I believe what he's trying to ask is, how do you differentiate one NFT marketplace from another? Is there a superior one? Do they... Do they um, do they have different aspects that you should maybe pay attention to? Uh, is there one that's easier to use than the other? Is that correct, Crypto0011? Yes, yes. Okay, so that's Got what it. he wants to know is how, how should question. you differentiate NFT marketplaces from another, maybe compare, contrast? Great question. Um, so depending on the blockchain, right, there are different, obviously different blockchains. And, you know, I think so Ethereum has a handful of, of marketplaces, right? OpenSea looks rare. Um, there's a lot of ones that are more for individual pieces of artwork, um, or like a Solana who has, I think about five to 10 different marketplaces 
for me, it's about the user experience, right? So there's two different there's two different point of views. It's the I'm the buyer, like I'm going there to transact. What are what are the tools? What are the things that I need to have a to make a successful transaction or an informed transaction, I should say, versus maybe a project who's trying to sell their NFTs on the marketplace. They may have different requirements. So primarily, I know this audience is probably going to be the buyers. So let's stick with that. Um, I appreciate marketplaces who are transparent and they're also listening to the community on the updates of things that uh, they're asking for. So I'll use Magic Eden, which is a Solana marketplace. Uh, a lot of folks have been asking forever about putting rarity scores on the NFTs. And for those of you who don't know, a rarity is if there's a collection of 5,000 NFTs for one project, there is one that's the most rare and there's one that's the least rare. And there's a whole bunch in between. And today, until recently, you have to go look up in a separate tool, hey, I have NFT one, two, three, four, five. I need to find that rarity, how much it is. I have to go do extra work to do that before I go sell to determine what price point I want to sell at or buy at. On Magic, on, uh, Magic Eden now is I can easily see there's a score there that says this is the rarity of that NFT. So it makes that transaction much quicker and I have more information up front to do that. So it saves me time. So long answer to your question, Crypto, great question, is um, the tools the marketplace is giving me to make a better informed decision is the marketplace that I would rather use. Thank you. Thank you so much. No problem. Great question. Same, same simple enough there. And uh, I didn't even actually know. I mean, having gone on NFT marketplaces myself, but not having really gone too deep in the weeds with them, um, I'm enlightened here by knowing that there are so many different tools that I really should be learning about. So anytime I know, I find anyone that knows more than me in the crypto sphere, whether it's NFTs, crypto in general, altcoins, whatever, I'm happy to learn more. And I think Doug has done that in spades here. Wouldn't everyone agree? Would you not agree? It's been an information party. And Doug has definitely brought more than just the chips and the dip. Oh, it ain't nothing but so an I info think we're gonna... party. Exactly. <laughs> nothing but an info party. That's how we keep it down here at BitMart. Be smart. Come to the BitMart info party. I, we're going to end here now. Unfortunately, we do have to end. Um, we can't take up all of Doug's time. He does have other stuff that he has to do. But we've got one more question for him. And it's kind of a philosophical, broad, grand question um, related to NFTs, Doug. So nothing crazy, nothing like the meaning of life or anything like that, but perhaps the meaning of the NFT market. The question is, what are your feelings on the state of the NFT market today and moving forward into the future? Please answer any way that you want. Be as open-ended as possible, but, uh, you know... So I, I know, yeah. Don't take all the time. No, no, no. So I know um, uh, everyone kind of makes that joke. It's like one, I don't know, it's like one crypto year feels like 10 human years, right? Um, so I can say that from when I went headfirst into NFTs back in August, like where it was every day I'm transacting and just, you know, it's, it was just, it was like new things were being sprung up and it was just like, it, it was so exciting. What the market was then and the market is today is vastly different. And even in between there, it's almost like every two months, there's a significant shift in either what's good, what's bad. Um, there's either like, it's almost like a bull bear market type of thing. 
uh, but it's more about the types of projects that are that are being born. Um, so I'd say early days on, and I, uh, if you haven't can pulled already, I'm I've probably the most experienced in Solana. Um, but just early, it's kind of where I went. I still have minted across all the other blockchains for the most part, um, but I could speak the most from Solana. Uh, is that early on, it was like there was only so many projects, right? So it's just like each one could be successful. And I'm putting little quotes here with my, my fingers based on its ability to sell out and also then to keep a decent price in the market. Since then, because it became very easy for anyone to create a project, you started now getting derivative projects, which are just basically copies and small variations of that, of just exponentially coming into the market where I, I was at one point trying to keep track of how many projects there were when at one point there was only one every day. I think there was, there's, a, there's a point last year, I think there was almost like 500 new products coming each day, right? And really, if you think about it, I can't define that as a project. I define it's just that it's very easy for someone to create a project and possibly get rich quick. But in reality, the person who gets screwed is the consumers, right? So long answer to your question, I think right now there's an oversaturation of garbage projects and i'll be nice when i say that <laughs> it but um it's because it seems like it's there's this like lull where um actually a lot of older projects ones who are still in existence from months back are now kind of making a run but I'll, I'll emulate what i said earlier is that i believe there needs to be more builders the more builders that are contributing to the progression of the system and are not looking for those quick wins right you don't want to find the big projects that are like immediately so much hype, so much that's out there, and that everyone's saying, "Hey, I'm getting rich." All this, sure, there may be the rare instance of that, but that's not reality. The ones who are telling you that they're this is a great project, they're the ones who are selling in the background, and they're making money. Where in the end, you're the ones who are left with the NFTs that are worthless, right? So, I believe that right now it's a weird period, um, just because also of the geopolitical climate, the inflation, like I mentioned earlier, just overall financial markets and the instability. Um, but I do believe that in, I'm going to call it Q2, end of Q2, Q3, that once some of these things get flushed out, there's going to be a, a really nice um, upside. And what's going to happen is going to be, it's going to be the projects who survived and they survived because they were transparent with their community. They were showing that their value, their, their building, and they're also new projects coming in. They're saying like, Hey, I'm looking to do something different. We're trying to separate ourselves from the rest and we're trying to be pioneers in this next wave and listen to what we're doing. Or if, if not, go build yourself, right? So I think the takeaway for this group is you have an idea, talk to people, find, flush it out, go through iterations of it and maybe go build something, right? Because really in the end, building is what's actually going to make this thing become reality. Where in the end, if it's just us going around buying profile pictures and trying to get rich, it's, it's going to eventually die altogether and there's a much more likelihood of you losing money. Yeah, and I know that you're really interested in the kind of utility and, and creator space behind NFTs, uh, Doug. So at our ending point here, I don't know if you want to share some stuff that you're working on or thoughts that you have as closing thoughts um, for a project that you have or how people could maybe keep up with you if they've really gotten a lot from your knowledge here today. Yeah, I'd, sure. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to talk here. This was, it's been, a, it's been fun, by the way. I would definitely do this again. Uh, it's just enjoyed just kind of, again, sharing my thoughts. Uh, sometimes I think they're kind of just my thoughts, but, you know, hey, if people are going to listen, I'll, I'll gladly have a conversation. Um, some of the comments I just mentioned was really kind of how I would segue into the project that I'm working on with my team. Uh, I won't go too much into details with it, but I'd say just follow me on Twitter. 
Um, I think it's at Think Simply, and I, I believe we'll probably share it with the group after. Where in the coming days we're going to be announcing a bunch of things, uh, but without going into too much detail, uh, we're really focused around the creators. As you just mentioned, um, Nate, is that I'm really looking for you know artists? How can artists become someone in this space that maybe are not an artist today? Right. A lot of the the bigger artists get a lot of attention. They're the ones everyone's following, but you know, I consider myself a eh, C-plus artist, right? Well, let's say, hey, I wanted to maybe make that something and possibly make it a, a, a side gig, or maybe I could monetize it some way. Someone's beeping outside, I apologize. So really what our project is focused on is trying to find these creators. We want to give you a platform to share your artwork. And at the same time, we also want to have charities and goodwill causes benefit from possibly selling your artwork. Um, so really, we're trying to create this kind of new, this new platform, this new community that's focused around creators. So what I would ask for you is that if you are an artist or you know anyone else who is an artist, come check out. Uh, it's called Be My Tree. Um, we'll kind of share that the link after. It's also my Twitter profile. And we're actually just kicking off a contest for a drawing contest around, uh, we're calling it Web3 Summer. Even though it's still not summer yet, we can still manifest it, right? It's kind of around the corner. And we're asking everyone to kind of share, if you're an artist, a, a picture or a drawing that, that represents a summer past that made you happy or something that you want to share. And we're doing a $1,000 giveaway, doing some whitelist spots. The contest goes through May, so you have time. Um, but just come check us out and kind of share your art. And if not, just join our community and, and say hello. Because um, that's, I think, really where it's going to come down to is just us just uh, talking, having conversations, and, and building together. So there's my pitch. Well, you heard it right here, everybody. Not only does Doug know quite a bit about NFTs, and he's been kind enough to share his time with us today, he actually has a project where you thought that you were just going to get $50 USDT by asking a high-quality question here. Well, now Doug wants to help help you out, and he wants you to give your summer pitch, your summer drawing. There's all sorts of good feelings, nostalgia associated with summer, and you could potentially win another $1,000 while still learning about NFTs from a very experienced man himself. I want to thank Doug Smith for being with us here today on our very, very first NFT AMA here on Discord. I know we're still figuring it out. Everyone in the audience, you've been very kind. You've been very patient and gentle with us, okay? I promise we will continue to improve and innovate. That is the BitMart way. Doug, thank you so much here for being with us. And as a reminder, all opinions and actions expressed and undertaken by the hosts and guests are individual opinions and actions and do not reflect the views and actions of BitMart. BitMart does not guarantee the accuracy, applicability, reliability, integrity, performance, completeness, or appropriateness of the content. The value of digital currencies can go up or down, and there are substantial risk in buying, selling, holding, or investing in digital currencies. You should carefully consider whether trading or holding digital currencies is suitable for you based on your personal investment objectives, financial circumstances, and risk tolerance. BitMart does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Use of BitMart services is entirely at your own risk. So for Nathan and Doug Smith, I'm Matt Ryan saying thank you for joining us on the initial edition of NFT 101. We'll be back soon with a brand new edition. So like, comment, subscribe, and as always, be smart, use BitMart.